Fantasy Baseball today presented by Line and Kugels. More on their great variety of beverages later on in the podcast. August 20th, Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White. And today on the pod, week 22 sleepers, two start pitchers, prospect report, some burning questions, and fantasy justice. Happy Friday, Scott. Big weekend plans ahead? Oh, you know it. <laughs> the biggest wild weekend forthcoming. You gonna fire up some clue on the Super Nintendo or no <laughs> no Sega Genesis Frank Come Sega on. Genesis yeah get your system straight <laughs> Genesis does no no probably not probably not um and what am I doing I don't know I don't know I'll, I'll have to figure it out I'll get back to you <laughs> well just relax man it's it's been a long <laughs> week it's been a long fantasy baseball season but it is. Uh, we're closing in here. It's a stretch run. We've got some playoffs to win. I will be at the Yankees and Twins game on Friday. I know that Chris was just there on Tuesday. Giancarlo Stanton hit a home run because he knew that Chris was in attendance. But uh, let's get things started. Oh, my goodness gracious from Thursday. Oh, my good goodness gracious. All right, Scott. Kick us off. Nobody actually made me say, oh, my goodness gracious, Thursday, just for the record. But since you're forcing me to fake it here, I'm going to talk about Madison Bumgarner. What is going on with the Mad Bum? I don't know. Do you know? Here's what he did on Thursday. Eight innings, three hits, one earned run, five strikeouts. All seven of his starts since returning from the I.L., He's allowed two earned runs or fewer. They've all been great. His spin rates during that whole time, the RPM, you know, we're, we're talking a, a, an RPM drop of like 300 across the board. <laughs> Everything's been way down. The spin's been way down. And not just that, the velocity's been way down. When he was showing some encouraging signs early this, earlier this year, it's like, okay, he's throwing 91 again on his fastball. That's what he was doing. Uh, prior to his downfall last year. Well, it hasn't been true since coming back from the IL. He averaged 89.7 on his fastball in this start. That's It's been pretty typical of him during this seven-start stretch. The normal performance indicators, you know, beyond just the relative stuff we're talking about there with the change in spin rate and velocity, the normal performance indicators during the stretch have not been good. Uh, nothing... Nothing that tells me, oh, this is why Bumgarner's doing that. There, there's nothing. There's nothing to explain it that I know of. I mean, there must be something to explain it. I just don't know what. Um, so I'm very skeptical, obviously. I do have him as a sleeper pitcher for this upcoming week. He's making two starts, one's against the Pirates. So I think we're to that point where with the right matchups, it's fair to call Bumgarner a sleeper starter, sleeper pitcher. But... Um, not uh, not really feeling it overall. One of my burning questions for later on in the podcast was going to be, are you buying what Mad Bum is selling? I'm just, I'm going to assume that's a no. No. I'm not either. I just, <laughs> there's nothing to explain what's going on right now. Uh, he's giving you a lot of volume in terms of innings, six plus innings in six of those seven starts since returning from the IL, but he only has 31 strikeouts over 46 and two-thirds innings pitched during that during that span, an 8% swinging strike rate, hard contact is up, fly ball rate is up. Everything here scheme, uh, screams that regression is going to come at some point. Let's just hope it's not next week when he has two starts and he's in your lineup again at the Pirates and at the Phillies. He is 78% rostered. Might be out there in some shallower leagues, some points leagues, is Madison Bumgarner. How about on the other side of this game, Zach Wheeler, I mean, come on, man. We're at the Diamondbacks. This is one of those starts where we've been waiting for this. Zach Wheeler, one of these matchups, rather. Six and two-thirds, six runs allowed, seven strikeouts to only one walk, still had 14 swinging strikes on 100 pitches. 
He really fell apart in the final inning of work in the seventh inning. He gave up three earned runs himself. He left with two runners on base, and the reliever that came in allowed a two-run double, so those were tacked onto Zach Wheeler's final line, again, allowing six earned runs. And another one of my burning questions was revolving around Zach Wheeler. Scott, what is wrong with Zach Wheeler, if anything? I'm not sure anything is wrong with him. There are no red flags, really. Obviously, the performance, for the most part, it's it's been kind of shaky lately. Though I will remind you, he had one of his best starts of the season just two turns ago. Complete game shutout, allowing two hits with 11 strikeouts. So, you know, it's, it's not like he's been a waste of a lineup spot this whole time. And I, I don't think you should give any thought to, to benching him or anything. Uh, I, I'm well invested in Zach Wheeler. I have him in many leagues. I have a hard time getting upset about what's going on right now because I know he's so greatly out he's so greatly outperformed his draft position for for the majority of the season. I've got well more than I thought I was getting from Zach Wheeler this year and nothing he does from this point forward can change that. I understand especially in head-to-head leagues you, you know you got to you got to set the best lineup you can every week and uh when you're eliminated you're eliminated and it doesn't so much matter what's already happened to that point. I get that. But at the same time, there's only so much you can control. And um, I, I think Zach Wheeler is, um, he, he probably, he's probably pitched over his head for most of this year and, and is experiencing some regression now. But overall, there's still, like I said, no red flags. He still looks like a good pitcher, at least as far as the underlying numbers are concerned. Yeah. I agree with you. I looked at his last eight starts. He has a 4.32 ERA during that stretch. That includes Thursday. So obviously that makes up a big portion of it. Six earned runs over six and two thirds. Uh, But he has given up at least four runs in five of those eight starts. I looked at the underlying numbers. Everything still looks really good. In fact, he's been a little bit unlucky. 66% strand rate during that stretch. Uh, 72% is league average. So he's a little bit below that mark. He's had some bad home run luck as well. So... I'm with you. I looked under the hood. I don't see anything with Zach Wheeler. I will say next week, don't love the matchup. He's going up against the Tampa Bay Rays, and they're hot right now. We're going to talk about Brandon Lau. The guy just continues to crush the ball. Nelson Cruz coming around now. Wander Franco is hitting well. Rosa Rain has been hot as well. So it's tough. They are uh, the Tampa Bay Rays second in WOBA over the last 30 days. You're sticking with him in the lineup, though, Zach Wheeler. Yep. Yep. Stick with him. Oh my goodness gracious game from Thursday. The Tigers and the Angels combined for 23 runs on 30 hits and five home runs. That's what happens when Jose Quintana and Matt Manning start a game. And it's, (laughs) gosh, I mean, Matt Manning, we need some glimpse of hope for the future for those that have him in Dynasty Uh Leagues because it is not looking good right now. On the Angels side of things, Shohei Otani... You know the deal. Two for three with two walks and two runs scored. Jared Walsh, nice bounce back game. Three for four with two walks and two RBI. Max Stassi, he slowed down quite a bit. He needed this. Two for five with his 11th home run. But let's talk a little bit more about Brandon Marsh, who went three for five with two triples and three RBI in this game. He has 13 hits over his last eight games. Obviously a very small sample size, but during that stretch, 38% line drive rate. A near 95 mile per hour exit velocity for Brandon Marsh. It also comes with a 44% strikeout rate. So uh, we mentioned him recently, Scott. Are you getting more interested in adding Brandon Marsh? Not really, because not enough of those balls are leaving the park. And well, more than anything else, he's still striking out 44% of the time during that stretch. Yeah. That's got to come down, or there's no sustainability to any of this. Yeah, and he is he's only 20, 20% rostered, so he's widely available. The Angels do play five games next week, so we're not there yet, but let's watch and see what happens with Brandon Marsh. Cut down that strikeout rate. On the other side for the Tigers, Robbie Grossman, two for four with his 14th steal of the season, and Jamer Candelario, three for five with his 10th home run, and in the second half, Candelario is batting 316, five homers, a 975 OPS, He's averaging 3.3 fantasy points per game over the last 28 days. He's 60% rostered, might be out there in some shallower leagues. Scott, how would you rank Candelario, Evan Longoria, and Miguel Sano, who hit another home run on Thursday? Yeah, 
Yeah, that's a tricky one with Sano because, you know, I really don't care for that profile. Yep. Uh, so I, I think I'd be inclined to rank him last year. I'm going to go Longoria number one, though that's subject to playing time. I'm presuming he's going to be more or less an everyday player. Uh, so Longoria number one, and then Candelario two. I want to see how he's doing in points leagues, just season, head-to-head points per game for the entire season. is It's not very good. It's not very good. It's better than like Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, but he's fallen off a lot. Uh, so, I mean, Jamer Candelario, very fringy still, I would say. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said about Sano yesterday, it's, he's really just the only situation I'd care to use him in is if you're chasing home runs. All so right. I'll, I'll go with him third, but it's close between him and Candelario. All right. Before we hit news and notes, Fantasy Football Today Draft Prepping for Charity Month. Supporting St. Jude is underway throughout the month. The FFT crew will have various eBay auctions supporting St. Jude, culminating in the six-hour Draft-a-thon event on September 1st. Up for bid are pre-draft calls with fantasy experts, a spot in an expert fantasy league, a custom-designed fantasy football team logo, and more. Go to cbssports.com slash eBay to donate. And bid, again, that is cbssports.com slash eBay. And I do apologize because Chris asked me to throw the link in the podcast description. I didn't get to that on yesterday's podcast, so I will make sure I get it in today's podcast and today's YouTube description. So if you do want to bid on some of those items, that is where you can find it. Some news and notes. The Brewers placed Freddie Peralta on the 10-day IL with right shoulder inflammation. Remember, he left Wednesday's start early because of that. Manager Craig Council suggested after that game that Peralta's removal was mostly precautionary in nature. Adrian Hauser is expected to return Sunday. We don't have a clear timetable here, Scott, but it's tricky this time of year. Anyone who goes on the IL, you, you don't know if they're going to have an impact even when they return, but... I'm, yeah. I'm inclined to hold on to Peralta if you could. Yeah. yeah. I don't expect him to miss much time. It might be a minimum stay. I, you know, I, I think I, the fact that he's thrown like 100 more innings than he did last year and the Brewers are obviously going to the playoffs, I, I'm sure that comes into play here. I, I don't really think he's that hurt. I mean, he he hit before he was removed from the game. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that they have a like eight game lead in the National League Central right now. I'm pulling up the standings, eight and a half games over the Cincinnati Reds. So, as great as uh, Freddie Peralta is, they don't really need him right now. So I think that makes some sense, and it's kind of similar to you know what what's going on with Carlos Rodon. He went on the IL with some kind of shoulder injury as well, and it, it's a similar situation. He just hasn't thrown that many innings, so I think it could be. Uh, again, similar for both of those guys. We had a Dodgers news dump on Thursday. Clayton Kershaw threw from 90 feet, and that marked his fourth consecutive day playing catch. We could use some Kershaw down the stretch. Tony Gonsolin successfully completed a bullpen session on Thursday. I mean, he was pretty shaky even when he was pitching, so I don't know that there's much to see there anyway. Mookie Betts will participate in a, sim- a simulated game on Sunday and continue with baseball activities Monday and Tuesday. Betts told Dave Roberts that his hip is pain-free following his latest cortisone injection. (laughs) And I think this latest IL stint, because obviously he's been grappling with this hip issue for a while, now that they know there's bone spur in the hip, it's going to have to be addressed surgically in the offseason. Being able to explain what's going on takes a lot of anxiety out of the situation. And um, it seems like it's mostly a now that they know it's mostly a pain tolerance issue as opposed to if we give him enough rest, he can get better issue. I suspect they'll be less inclined to put him on the IL again if his hip starts hurting. You know, he might need some maintenance days here and there. But um, I'd, I'd feel pretty good about Betts' prospects for the rest of the season because it's not like his performance was suffering as he's been dealing with his hip issue. He's been actually very productive in between these IL stints. So uh, so he should be back soon, and hopefully he'll stick around the rest of the season. He's, he himself says he's confident that he'll, uh, that he'll be able to make it the rest of the season. So we'll see. Yes, some optimism there for Mookie Betts. Trevor Bauer's administrative leave has been extended through August 27th. 
I guess anything can happen, but I highly doubt that we see Trevor Bauer pitch again this season, Scott. So, again, weird subject to talk about from a fantasy perspective, but people have asked. If, you, if you've held on to Bauer this long, I have him in a daily lineups league, and, and obviously that's a little bit tougher because you really need every roster spot to contribute something, right? So you get these guys in and out of your lineup, and I'm about there. I'm about ready to drop Trevor Bauer. Are you, you'd be all right. With yeah, that? I don't see much reason to hold on to him yeah. anymore. You know, at least for this season, we'll address we'll address future seasons and future seasons. But I, I think for the rest of this season, you know, because yeah, I, I just don't see it happening. Get hyped! Byron Buxton will begin a rehab assignment at AAA on Friday. In case you forgot, Buxton was crushing it this year, batting 369 with 10 homers, five steals over just 27 games. Obviously, that's been the issue for Buxton, but I mean, this latest injury was, I believe, a fractured pinky, so it's not really his fault. It's just kind of a fluke injury. Surprisingly... (laughs) Well, how many injuries are people's fault? (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Well, the the thing is for Buxton is he kind of plays with reckless abandon, so I, I can see how, you know, maybe him going all out, trying to, you know, run into a wall and make a catch... Like weird things happen with Byron Buxton, but you could break your pinky that way. In fact, I think two of the biggest self-inflicted wounds this season, Jesus Lazardo's video game tantrum and Wascari Noah's dugout tantrum, yeah, were fractures in the hand that were self-inflicted. Yeah, get so, it, get it yeah. together, guys. Come on. But he was <laughs> Buxton was actually hit by a pitch. I believe for this injury, so it's it's yeah. not his fault. Uh, surprisingly, Alberto Mondesi resumed a rehab assignment at AAA on Thursday. He just experienced oblique tightness last weekend. Not really sure what's going on there, but if you've held on to him, maybe we get something in the final month. I know we're, I already know what's going to happen, Scott. Monster September for Adalberto Mondesi. We're drafting him next year in the fourth round of Roto drafts. Right? Right. Hey, I mean, I'll take, I'll take the monster September and then hopefully, uh, Hopefully we can avoid. I don't know, because you know Chris is going to make the argument next year. Like, oh, yeah. you can't call a guy injury prone. <laughs> That's not really a thing. If you know, if you're if you're going to pass him over, you're playing for seventh place. I know he tweeted something like that recently, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll address that. We'll address that. We'll address next year. Next year. That's that's my saying today. Yes. Worry about next year. That's next fair. Year. But you know, I'm I'm gonna remember this because uh, eventually, I, I'm sure I've battled Chris about this before. But I mean, look, some guys are just Adalberto Montesi. I, I I feel pretty confident saying he is injury prone, and I will say that's Chris's face. When asked about Alex Bregman, Dusty Baker said he had no update. Bregman has not played in a game. For the last 10 days, minor league game, by the way, uh, while he's rehabbing, this is kind of just a weird situation with Alex Bregman. Meanwhile, Aledmus Diaz racked up three more hits on Thursday. He is batting 311 over his last 15 games. He has first, second, third, and outfield eligibility on CBS. More on him in just a little bit. The Tigers placed Eric Haas on the IL with a right abdominal strain. Pete Alonso did start at first base on Thursday. He was hitting third after getting hit by a pitch on his elbow on Wednesday. The Mets are optimistic that James McCann will avoid the IL. He's missed three straight games with a back injury. Miguel Sano played on Thursday against the Yankees, uh, but he will move to the paternity list on Friday to be with his family for the weekend. The Cardinals are optimistic Dylan Carlson will be able to return from the IL for Tuesday's series opener against the Tigers. Luis Severino was cleared of any structural damage to his right shoulder following a second opinion. He will be shut down from throwing for the next week before the Yankees reevaluate him. And someone asked us on Twitter recently, Scott, what is the percentage chance that Severino contributes anything this season? I believe you said 5% and I might have said 10%, but... Yeah, well, I, to be clear, he said within four weeks. Didn't right. say rest of the season. So, you know, there's seven... I guess there's about six weeks left now. Yeah. Um, yeah it's different from four weeks. But yeah, no, I, I think... This, this improves the odds, because it doesn't sound like there will necessarily have to be like a lengthy shutdown here, and he'll have to start the rehab process all over again. So I, I don't think it... 
I don't think it's zero chance. And I don't, it, it may be more than 5% chance, but it's not a good chance. Um, yeah, that was kind of a fun exercise because then others started <laughs> started submitting their own players to go through the same process. I think I said like 60% for Alex Bregman, 25% for Clayton Kershaw. It was just fun to come up with percentages <laughs> based on nothing more than gut feeling of, of how likely these guys are to contribute. Do we have a new segment? Do we have a new segment on the podcast? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Gut <laughs> feelings, could. percentages. I, I kind of halfway, I halfway expected you to develop to, uh, yeah, develop that into a segment. All right, well, I did. I'm, I'm sorry. Get I let on you, it. I'm sorry. I let you down, Scott. <laughs> Zach Eflin. <laughs> Zach Eflin will begin a rehab assignment at Double A on Saturday. Odubel Herrera was removed from Thursday's game after being hit by a pitch on his right elbow. Nixon Zell had his option reversed by the Reds on Thursday. He was optioned back to Triple A on Sunday after he was reinstated from the 60-day IL, but he was examined by several doctors this week who found fluid in his left knee. As a result, uh, Senzel will now revert to the big league IL and head to Arizona to continue his rehab process. The last news item I have here, a fella named Mitch White was optioned back to AAA by the Dodgers, and we did miss him on yesterday's podcast, so I thought that we should talk about him now. He went seven and a third shutout with six strikeouts as the bulk reliever follower uh, in Wednesday's game against the Pirates. Obviously, a really good matchup. But uh, back to AAA. Anything to see here, Scott, with Mitch White? He went seven and a third just in that one game? Yeah, in relief. Really? I didn't remember him going that long. That's because uh, usually whenever we start the podcast, the Dodgers are in the third or fourth inning. So, but yeah, I, I, maybe I just assumed he was going to come out. No, that's impre- he only had six swinging strikes in those seven and a third innings. Yeah. Um, probably not. I, I mean, he's somebody I've followed in, in my prospect research before, so it's not like he was a nobody in the minors, but he kind of he stalled out in the upper minors. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm more interested in Andre Jackson, who we saw fill the bulk reliever role following a, uh, an opener last week, and I suspect we'll see Andre Jackson again, uh, especially since Mitch White got sent down. His full name's Mitchell White, by the way. I just want to point out we almost named our second son that. In fact, <laughs> when 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 I would when my wife was wanting me to suggest a name to her, I meant to suggest Mitchell White, but it came out Marshall White. And then I was like, oh, no, I meant to say Mich- Mitchell, not Marshall. But by that point, Marshall had already been uttered, and she was unwilling to consider any other names. So that's that's how our second son came to be named Marshall, because I meant to say Mitchell, but I, I just messed up. That's a pretty good story. I like that. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of the name Marshall, one of the few movies I have seen in my life is for- Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And... I do enjoy oh, it quite a bit. So, uh, and there was a lot of hand wringing, you know, because she liked the name Marshall and whatever. I guess it was fine. I was fine with it. There was a lot of hand hand wringing because you know Paw Patrol is such a big show for like the preschool, maybe even young elementary school aged kids, and the fire dog, the firefighter dog, is its name Marshall. So like is is like is. Are all his classmates just going to associate him with this cartoon character? And maybe they are. I don't know. It's turned out to not to be a big deal, though. I guess it's not the worst thing, right? Being a firefighting dog. There's worse things that you could be. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to stick him with the name that's he's going to come to resent for one reason or another. But I think it's fine. I think it's worked out. Yeah. I hear you. Anyway, from Mitch White to uh, from Mitch White and Andre Jackson, that brings up the prospect report, which is currently live on the site, and it was published on Thursday. We know that Scott does it every week. A plus headline, by the way, Scott. He goes with Kevin Smith gets his chance while Seth Beer chugs along. I love it. I love the beer reference there. Great stuff. The five on the verge: yeah. Bobby Witt, Jose Miranda, Seth Beer, who. In the month of August at AAA, batting 400 with four homers and an 1172 OPS. Vidal Brujan and Edward Cabrera, who has three straight double-digit strikeout games, though the walks have been an issue. 
Any updates mm-hmm. on this group, Scott? Wit, Miranda, Beer, Bruhan, and Cabrera? Realistically, the only one who I think has a better chance than not of coming up and playing a significant amount of time is Seth Beer, which is why I moved him into my five on the verge. The others, it feels like kind of a long shot at this point. Uh, And JJ Piccolo, uh, the Royals assistant GM, he, uh, he had some interesting insights on this. He wasn't directly addressing the Bobby Witt situation, but you know, it's kind of easy to tell who he was talking about. Just the, the breakdown, the, the, the differences this year specifically minor league season started a month late. It started in May, which means it's going to run through September. Uh, Normally it ends early in September. So, you know, September call-ups, those guys aren't playing anywhere else. If you want them to get more playing time, you put them on your major league roster. Also normal in, in the past rosters could expand to as much as 40 during September. They're only going to expand to 28. They're only going to expand by two spots. So you could either call up a guy who's already going to continue getting regular bats, unlike in past years. You could call him up to fill one of those two precious spots and maybe not play him as much as he'd already be playing in the minors. You know, it was it was just an interesting thought that I hadn't considered before. And um, you know, obviously the fact that the Royals are so far out of it is another reason they might not call up Bobby Witt. I think the fact that Edward Cabrera is struggling so much with control at AAA and now Eliezer Hernandez is back. You know, that's starting to seem like kind of a long shot to me. I really thought Jose Miranda would be up right after the trade deadline because he's just, he's already 23 and he's doing, he's looking like Albert Pujols at AAA. <laughs> but it hasn't happened yet. So I'm, I'm losing faith at will. Seth Beer, though, like the Dimebacks don't have anyone else to play first base. He, He's about to turn 25. He's caught fire lately. And uh, I think he deserves a shot. And I think Beer deserves a shot. Um, (laughs) And hopefully that's what will happen. Man, $6 shot in a beer. Uh, Five on the periphery, the five prospects who are currently doing something, though they're probably not close to making a redraft impact. You should be excited if you have these on your Dynasty League teams. Luis Campusano, catcher for the Padres. He's having a really big August at AAA. Oswald Peraza, a shortstop with the Yankees. Quinn Priester, a starting pitcher with the Pirates. Luis Matos, an outfielder with the Giants. Hedbert Perez, an outfielder with the Brewers. Uh, Those are the five. And I did want to point out, by the way, like Matos and Perez, they are big, big upside uh, on both of those guys, though they are very young. They're, I believe... They're teenagers. Yeah, one is... Closing in on 19 years old, one might have just turned 19 years old. So, I was. Hector Perez was 17 last year, and they sent him to the alternate training site. You know, as limited as the alternate training site was, they sent him there as a 17 year old, and he held his own apparently. So, now he's killing it in rookie ball. I mean, clearly, (laughs) clearly too good for that level. But yeah, I don't think it'll be long before we think of Hedbert Perez as the Brewers' top prospect. And some quick prospect updates that again you can find the the article on the site scott's prospect report but some other prospect updates rangers third base prospect josh young was cleared to return at double a he hasn't played since august 7th due to covid protocols and then mackenzie gore who we really haven't heard a lot about recently he wasn't pitching in the minors it seemed like he was working at, at some kind of alternate i, I don't want to say it's like an alternate training camp but he was just yeah like, no he was somewhere he was else at their spring training complex. He was just kind of they were just kind of working to fix him, and it's been like that for months. Yeah, so he finally returned to action. Granted, you know, it was at the Arizona Complex League, so this is literally the lowest level of the minor leagues. But four and two thirds, two hits, one run, one walk, eight strikeouts for Mackenzie Gore and our guy Chris Welsh, aka the Welsh, was at the game and he was tweeting about it. He was obviously watching very closely. He said Gore had spotty command but he gave the outing a B grade. So let's work back up because heading into this season, Mackenzie Gore was probably still regarded as the top pitching prospect, if not the top, still one of the top three or top five at least. And he has really, really fallen down some uh, prospect boards. So 
Let's see if he can get back on track in the Padres organization. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll get you ready for Week 22 next on Fantasy Baseball Today. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. The Week 22 Pitcher and Hitter Planners presented by Line and Kugels. And how does the scheduling line up for next week? Five teams have five games. That includes the Atlanta Braves, the Tigers, the Angels, the Padres, and the Tampa Bay Rays. 20 teams have six games. And then five other teams have five games next week. That includes the Diamondbacks, the White Sox, the Pirates, the Blue Jays, and the Royals. Two-star per- pitchers. Who you got, Scott? I just want to point out, it's it's a really weird schedule this oh, yeah. week. You got two teams aren't playing next Sunday for some reason. The Braves have two days off in a row for some reason. Huh. Um, yeah, just normally teams are some teams are off Monday, some teams are off Thursday, some teams are off both in a week. But there are there are teams that have. Uh, four teams are off Wednesday this week. I, I don't know why it's such a we- weird schedule, but huh. just wanted to point that out. That is very weird. So. Yeah. All right. Um, so anyway, you were asking about two-star pitchers, right? Yeah. Two-star pitchers. There are a bunch I like that are rostered in less than 80% of leagues. However, most of them are rostered in more than 60% of leagues. So kind of a tight window here. Uh, but Josiah Gray is probably my favorite. He's going against the Marlins, going against the Mets, both on the road. Great matchups, both, and we've been hyping him a lot lately, so definitely time to get him in your lineup. Cole Irvin, who we've kind of been waiting to collapse all year, and he hasn't quite collapsed. He's been a little shaky lately. His start on Thursday he actually just made one. Uh, technically a quality start, but he struck out only one in six innings. Not that he's ever been a big strikeout guy. But anyway, he's making two starts next week. One is against the Mariners, so he might throw a no-hitter. Tyler McGill. Tyler McGill coming off a good start, and one of his two matchups is against the Nationals in their, um, you know, in, in, in rebuilding mode, the Nationals. So that looks pretty good. The other's against the Giants, which isn't great, but, you know, two starts, and he's available in... 36% of leagues. Daniel Lynch. Now he's widely available. He's only 28% rostered in CBS sports leagues. And well, one of the stars is at Houston. That's obviously not what you want to see. The others at Seattle. So, uh, one good matchup, one bad matchup, but he's, you know, he's looked a lot better since returning from the minors. He's looked competent at least, if not more than that. So if I was looking for a sleeper, uh, you know, he him being available, you know, pretty pretty much across the board, he's available. So that's a really easy one to recommend. There's also Marco Gonzalez, Ranger Suarez, Madison Bumgarner, who I mentioned earlier. They're all in my top 10 sleeper pitchers for this week. I'm not sure I'd turn to any of them outside of a points league where you don't have to be as discerning uh, because it's more about the volume a pitcher gives you than how efficient he is in those starts. You know, you're not having to preserve ERA and whip like you are in Roto. So Marco Gonzalez, Ranger Suarez, Madison Bumgarner, I consider more points league only sleepers, but they're definitely in the discussion here. And Ranger Suarez, which makes sense in a points league, has SPARP eligibility. So uh, definitely works out there. Daniel Lynch, I just did want to point out, at Seattle, great matchup. Houston, we view usually as a tougher matchup. Over the last 14 days, the Astros are 
scuffling a little bit there, 18th in weighted on base average. So maybe that means they're due, or maybe uh, Daniel Lynch catches them while they're still cold. Some single start streamers that you're looking at for next week, Scotty. Single start streamers. This is not as deep of a group, but that's because there are a lot of sleepers who are making two starts. So Austin Gomber, he's on paternity leave right now, but he will be back to start at the Cubs. So you like that he's not at Coors Field. You like that he's going against a AAA lineup, basically. So I like him a lot. Uh, Logan Gilbert, he's been pretty shaky lately, but I still like the profile, and he's going against the Royals. So I'll call him a sleeper this week. Tarek Skubal at the Cardinals, which isn't the greatest lineup either. I'll call him a sleeper this week. All three of those guys are more than 70% rostered already, so there's a chance you won't be able to make a play for him, for any of them. If you have to dig deeper than that, neither of these guys made it into my top 10 sleeper pitchers for this week. And, you know, I'm never all that thrilled with all of my top 10 sleeper pitchers. Uh, But Brad Keller gets the Mariners, so he might throw a no-hitter. And Tyler Anderson gets the Royals. Very nice. Yeah, I have a few names written down here as well. My handy-dandy notepad that I have here. I meant to write them on the rundown, but I just didn't have enough time. Um... Scott, you tell me if you would start this play, any of these players. I'll go one by one. Would you start them in a shallow league, a deeper league, or none? Because they just stink. Eliezer Hernandez versus the Nationals next week. Uh, that sounds pretty good, actually. That would not catch my eye. Oh, you know what? The Nationals haven't sank enough in the... <laughs> You know, I, I work I work from the bottom up in terms of offenses and look at the pitchers who are facing them, and the Nationals probably aren't far. I, I need to make sure I look into who's facing them every week when I pick these out. But Because, yeah, I like that Eliezer Hernandez pick. It might end up adding it to my top 10 sleeper pitchers here. Nice! All right, so that one works. Next up we have, man, this guy is bad, but so are the Marlins. Patrick Corbin at Miami next week. Uh, No. 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 How about Stephen Brault versus the Cardinals? Uh, no. How about... Not ready to do it. All right, we've got to do this. Jake Odorizzi at the Texas Rangers. Come on, Scott. I understand what you're getting at, but I just have no trust in Jake Odorizzi. And I think he pitched against the Rangers recently, and it didn't go well. Oh. I, I remember that. He was, <laughs> he was the one pitcher they were able to hit, huh? How about... Uh, let me double check that. Because that's just going top of mind, obviously. Uh, it was a few starts ago. It was July 23rd. So before they traded Gallo, I think. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, it wasn't a good start. All right. How about Miles Michaelis at the Pirates? Miles Michaelis. Oh, um, no. Nah, I mean, we haven't even seen him return from the IL yet. That's happening this weekend. Yeah. So if it's a great start, then then yeah, maybe we do think about Miles Michaelis as a sleeper in that matchup. But it, I'm not ready to say that right now. Paolo Espino at the at the Marlins. I don't trust that guy at all. All right. Carlos Hernandez, who's pitched pretty well for the Royals. He is at the Mariners. Mm, I mean, you know it might happen, but it probably won't. So, <laughs> no, I pass on Carlos Hernandez. And we have Mr. No-Hitter himself, Tyler Gilbert, at the Pirates next week. Tyler hey. Gilbert, no, no, no. All right. Let's see. Let's see him throw another no hitter first. I believe. Maybe. Go ahead. If he was facing the Mariners, but he's not. Uh, I believe he is scheduled to face the Rockies in Coors Field this weekend. So let's see how that start goes <laughs> for our good friend yeah. Tyler Gilbert. Some sleeper hitters for next week that are rostered in less than eighty percent of CBS leagues. Who you got? So Josh Rojas stands out here. Still widely available. He's been red hot since returning from the IL, and you can play him in any of three different positions. Uh, I also like... There, there are three Red Sox I like this week because the Red Sox have the third best hitter matchups. Hunter Renfro, who's been hot in August. Enrique Hernandez, who's been hot for weeks now and continues to bat leadoff for the Red Sox. And also also Bobby Dahlbeck, who's been showing signs of life and is only 30% rostered. Like all three of those guys. Um... I want to mention uh, Tyler O'Neill, who started to heat up again. He just homered like a 450-foot home run on Thursday, and it was his fourth home run in August. He's batting, I think, over 300 for the month. And, and the Cardinals have the fifth-best matchups this week. And it was against Brandon Woodruff. So, pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, uh, and Aledmus Diaz is one I wanted to highlight. Presuming Bregman's out for another week, which you know we'll 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 keep we'll stay updated on that over the weekend. But um, Diaz has been filling in for Bregman. The Astros have the best matchups of any team this upcoming week, and three of the pitchers on the schedule for the Astros are left-handers. Edmis Diaz has been crushing left-handers. I mean, he's batting around 300 overall, but against left-handers, nine an, an OPS over 900 this season. So I think he's a worthy streamer hitter for this upcoming week. I like it. Aledmus Diaz, he's hot. He's I mentioned last 15 games, he's got a batting average over 300. The five teams with the best hitter matchup, Scott mentioned a few already, but the Astros are number one. The Phillies are number two. The Red Sox are number three. Then we have the Pirates and the Cardinals. The five teams with the worst hitter matchups, the Tigers, the Cubs, the Reds, the Padres, and the Braves. So there you have it. The Week 22 Pitcher and Hitter Planners presented by Line and Cools. And the weekend is here. I'm feeling a little Lemon Haze IPA. It's a well-balanced, hazy IPA that blends hops with delicious lemonade. And truthfully, I do not drink IPAs, but this one is different. Very smooth, great aftertaste. Big, big fan of the Lemon Haze IPA. And of course, that's not all they offer. They also have their Session Hellas, which has all the flavor of a crisp German-style beer, and it's only 99 calories. And of course, the goat the Line and Kugel's Summer Shandy, the awesome blend of crisp beer with refreshing lemonade that fits perfectly when watching baseball. So no matter what type of beverage you are craving, Line and Kugel's has you covered. Just head on over to liney.com. That's L-E-I-N-I-E.com or follow Line and Kugel's on Instagram or Facebook for more information about all of the delicious beers that they brew. So originally this was supposed to be eight burning questions for Scott, but... We answered the other two earlier. So we only got six left. Matt Chapman went two for four with his 19th home run of the season on Thursday. In August, he's batting 291, five homers, a 991 OPS, 16% barrel rate. This month, Scott, is Matt Chapman back? What's the strikeout rate? 30%. No. No, he's not back. Um, There are some encouraging signs. But that strikeout rate's a killer. Yeah, I don't think he can succeed like that in the long run, and it's been a problem all season long. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think that he's fully back. Obviously, it's it's been a very good month for him. Past, I mean, really, it's like the past week or 10 days. But signs of life, a, a lot like Cody Bellinger, who we needed to see something from, and now he's cooled off again. Uh, Matt Chapman, we needed to see something, and he's given us that. So he's not fully back yet, but he's he's working his way. Brandon Lau, two for four with his 29th home run of the season on Thursday. In the second half, he's betting 307, eight homers, a 1017 OPS. He's averaging 4.2 fantasy points per game over the last 28 days. Scott, is Brandon Lau setting up to be a league winner? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's been uh he's been a stud for even longer than just the second half here. Uh, since the start of June, he's basically been a different player than he was in April and May when he hit under 200 for both of those months. I mean, he's been providing power all season long. It's just, it, yeah, the, the batting average was really ra- lagging there early on, and he wasn't alone in that regard. It would be interesting to to look at hitter stats, like the whole league, just taking April out, you know, because April was such a such a strange environment where hit, hitting was being wickedly suppressed, and um, you look at a lot of a lot of uh, the the breakdown for a lot of different hitters this year, and their April is just terrible, and uh, you know, Loud didn't totally come back to life when the calendar flipped to May. It was a pretty bad month for him too, but still. Uh, April, he was one of the many hitters that was dragged down by his April. Scott, I mean, you bring up April and, and looking for at hitters numbers from May on. I'm wondering in the offseason, should we do the same thing for June or the middle of June from when that crackdown on, on sticky substances happened? Is is that going to be something that we do regularly in the offseason where we kind of split up seasons based on 
that event happening? For who? For hitters or for pitchers? I mean, I guess we could do it for both, right? Well, my impression during that whole period was that we didn't see a big change in actual player performance. Uh, do you remember it differently? Well, I mean, there was obvious examples at the time, right? When, it, like, for specifically pitchers, there was Garrett, Garrett Cole had a kind of a bumpy stretch. Yeah, Corbin Burns, kind of ish. Yeah, not not as much for him in yeah. terms of how the performance changed. The spend rates were definitely down for a while, but by and large, at that it it really seemed it ended up being much to do about nothing. I feel like, especially now that a lot of the spin rates pretty much normalized since then, which I don't know what that means. <laughs> Maybe they're just all, you know, positioning the ball deeper, you know, deeper in their fingers so that they, you know, they not on their fingertips anymore. I don't know. I don't know what it means. Maybe they're all, they get out of a way to get around it. I don't know. But all right. Let's talk about let's talk about Luis Garcia, who was at the Royals on Thursday. Five innings, three runs, only three strikeouts. He had twelve swinging strikes on seventy pitches, and over his last five starts, he's got a five point three eight ERA. Is Luis Garcia still a must start? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that was pretty easy. Pretty I, much. I, I mean, I don't know that he's ever ever been a must start. Uh, it depends how shallow the league is. Well, I don't know. Even like a points league, obviously, you could start him at relief pitcher, which helped. Uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't really think his values changed. Bottom line, whatever you considered him to be a month ago, I would still consider him to be now. And I agree with you because while he's got that five point three eight ERA, his uh, BABIP has been pretty high. His strand strand rate is low during that stretch. He still has a ton of strikeouts. The swinging strike rate is very high as well. And he is going up against the Royals for one start next week. So I do like that matchup for Luis Garcia. This one is more so for Dynasty Leagues. Spencer Howard gave up five more runs against the Seattle Mariners on Thursday. And in 60 career innings, 6.30 ERA, 1.58 whip. Is Spencer Howard just bad? Well, I think it's way too early to say. Obviously, I'm discouraged. I traded for him early this year in the Scott White Dynasty League. Probably, well, Let's just say I traded Lance McCullers for him. A Lance McCullers who I wasn't going to be able to keep, but still, I traded Lance McCullers expecting that I was getting one of the top pitching prospects in baseball, and it just hasn't played out that way. Uh, he's had injuries. He's had, you know, the Phillies were seemed unwilling to commit to him ever and we're moving him in and out of the bullpen and just kind of handled him in a strange way. I go back to how he was looking to spring when he was throwing harder than we've seen him throw either of the last two regular seasons. And, and, and injuries being a factor during both of those regular seasons, I, I wonder how much that's affected his performance. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not ready to say he's a lost cause yet. He just got to the Rangers and... I'm sure he'll go through an off-season program with him where they look at what he's doing wrong and we'll try to fix it. And we know there's a lot of talent there. So I'm not ready to give up on Spencer Howard in a dynasty league, but I'm obviously concerned about him. Hasn't gone as hoped so far. So if you don't have him on your dynasty team, would you look to buy low on Spencer Howard? It depends how low. But if somebody dropped him, in any dynasty league, I'd, I'd pick him up. Some Thursday leftovers. Mitch Hanniger went two for five with his 27th home run. He's alternated great months with bad ones from May through August. Right now, it's it's one of those bad ones, but he still start Mitch Hanniger. Ty France went three for six with his 13th home run, and he is having a monster second half. 80% rostered, might be floating around in some shallower Shallower leagues is Ty France. Carlos Correa went two for three with two walks, three runs scored, and he is turning it back on. He's got an 875 OPS in the second half. Matt Olson, one for four with his 31st home run. Andrew Vaughn, one for two, two walks, his 15th home run. He's playing really well, 72% rostered. The issue, which we've mentioned multiple times, Scott, is he sits out basically every fourth game for the White Sox, and I guess that's by design. Yeah, it seems to be. So yeah, that's that's a problem. That that keeps them from 
from delivering as much as his potential as his percentages would suggest, particularly his percentages the past couple months. It's like, oh man, this guy looks like a stud, but you're not feeling that so much with him in your lineup, especially in a points league. Jorge Polanco went three for five with a double and three RBI since the start of June. 66 games for Polanco, 306 batting average, 16 homers, seven steals, 25% line drive rate, only a 15% strikeout rate. He has been awesome. John Carlos Stanton hit his 20th home run. He's got a modest eight-game hitting streak going right now with three home runs during that stretch. And we know that he's someone that can get hot in a hurry as well. So not ready to call him a league winner, but if he keeps this up, he's got really great lineup protection. He always has, but it's even better now. By the way, Scott, did you see the Yankees batting lineup, batting order on Thursday? I did. It was it's pretty interesting. A lot of big boys up top there. Luke Voigt leading off, followed by Anthony Rizzo, Judge, Gallo, and Stanton. That's one way to get all of them in the lineup, but <laughs> still interesting. Right, right there at the top of the order. The Yankees are on a roll right now. And um, the season ended today, they'd be in the playoffs, right? They got that second. They, they passed the Red Sox in the standings. Yeah, they did. Oh, yeah. They did. So I'm kind of surprised, actually. But yeah, they're they're in a good spot all of a sudden. They've won seven straight. Uh, the Braves have won six straight. So our teams, the Braves are now in first place by four games. When they were, I think at the start of August, they were out of first place by four games. So <laughs> my, how things have changed. Hit me with a virtual high five, Scott. Are you ready? All right. Three. Uh, <laughs> three. Okay, I'm ready. Two, one. Boom. Let's go. Luis Castillo was up against the Marlins. Seven innings, one run, seven strikeouts. His last 15 starts, he's got a 2.74 ERA. He did have that one blow-up start in there, but Luis Castillo is very good. Brandon Woodruff was not on Thursday. Five innings, six runs, only four strikeouts. Only gave up four hard-hit balls, but was doomed by the home run in that start. No worry about Brandon Woodruff. He's going to be just fine. Call to the pen, some bullpen updates for... The Mariners, <laughs> you know we love talking about those Mariners. Diego Castillo entered the ninth with runners on second and third and a four-run lead. Wild pitch allowed one of those runs to score, and then he gave up a three-run homer. Paul Seawald allowed an unearned run in the 11th inning, but picked up his sixth save. 29% rostered is Seawald. Seems like a three-man closer committee. Castillo, Seawald, Drew Steckenrider... Do you have any guess, Scott? Who who will get the next save for um, the Mariners? We are approaching Tampa Bay Rays levels yes. of aggravation here with this group. Oh, yeah. I think Seawald is the one to roster. He's not going to get 100% of the saves down the stretch, but his the, the clearly has the best numbers apart from the saves total, especially with the strikeouts he gets. And uh, I think he'll get the majority of the saves. So Paul Seawald is the one I want. And I'll just leave it at that. For the Rangers, Joe Barlow gave up a two-run homer in the 11th inning. He took the loss there. For the Oakland A's, Lou Trevino got his 20th save. For the Yankees, Chad Green gave up a solo homer, but picked up his sixth save. Aroldis Chapman pitched on Wednesday, but he wasn't very good. It was his first game back. Velocity was down, so I think they just gave him a day off here. Chad Green picks up the save. And then the Dodgers gave Kenley Jansen a night off. Blake Trinan picks up his fourth save against the New York Mets, a team that is free-falling right now. They are now under 500 on the season. To stream or not to stream, let's start with Friday. Brad Keller at the Cubs. Zach Davies versus the Royals. Nestor Cortez versus the Twins. Eliezer Hernandez at the Reds. Brett Anderson versus the Nationals. And Miles Michaelis making his return against the Pirates. I'm okay with Eliezer Hernandez at Cincinnati, Nestor Cortez versus the Twins, and Brad Keller at the Cubs. Fine with all of those. Saturday, Kyle Freeland versus the Diamondbacks, Jay Happ versus the Pirates, Reed Detmers at Cleveland, Tristan McKenzie versus the Angels, Eric Lauer versus the Nationals, and Luis Patino versus the White Sox. Don't love any of these. Tristan McKenzie against the Angels. You know, it's obviously coming off a great start, and the one before that was pretty good too. So, I could see rolling the dice on him. 
Uh, Reed Detmers at Cleveland. Uh, obviously, that's a good matchup, and he's coming off by far his best start since getting called up. But I don't know that I'm really ready to trust in him. Yeah, I'm with you. Those two are clearly my favorites. I have a little bit more faith in Detmers, only because Cleveland is pretty bad. So I'll leave it there. For Sunday, David Price versus the Mets, Alec Mills versus the Royals, Carlos Hernandez at the Cubs, Stephen Brault at the Cardinals. That's weird because he faces the Cardinals next week, too. That's that kind of threw me off a little bit. Adrian Hauser versus the Nationals, and then Tuki Toussaint at the Orioles. Uh, Toussaint looks like the clearly the best there. Uh, David Price against the Mets is a good matchup, but they're they're hardly ever letting the Dodgers hardly let him go five innings, even much less six. So I'm I'm not sure there's going to be much room for impact there. Carlos Hernandez at the Cubs. I don't I don't mind it. He's he's been alright. The Cubs are yeah. Meh. Carlos Hernandez throws hard, but a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing. <laughs> I don't know that I used that right, but it sounds like it should be right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course it's right. Uh, well, you got to start somewhere, right? Velocity, that's one place for Carlos Hernandez. Let's wrap up with some emails and some fantasy justice. This email is from Scott White. No, it's not Scott White. No, not me. <laughs> I play in a 10-team, 5 by 5 Roto League, currently in first place with a decent lead, courtesy of your show advice, and Shohei Otani. Well, thank you from us, and... uh Thank you to Shohei Otani. I'm currently sitting at fourth and fourth or fifth in ERA and WHIP, but am second in saves. There is a huge gap of 30 saves between second and third place. I currently have Matt Barnes, Will Smith, and Mark Melanson on my roster. I'm considering swapping out Will Smith and Matt Barnes for Blake Trinan and Kendall Graveman, who are available on the waiver wire. Does this make sense? Also. Are there any better relief pitcher targets in the last month to shave down my ERA and whip was considering TJ Antone. So I put this email on here because I thought it was pretty unique. He has a 30 save lead over the third place team. So obviously that team is not catching him, but you can drop. Would you drop closers for better relief pitchers that will help your ERA and potentially strikeouts? Um, yeah, I, I understand the logic there. It's just so hard to predict what any reliever is going to do with ratio stats over such a small period of time that it seems it seems like an exercise in futility and you might be helping someone else more than you're helping yourself by turning that closer loose. That's what I was However, if too. you feel confident you're not going to lose second place in saves... I guess there's not much downside for you to do it. I don't think I'd drop Barnes, but Melanson and Will Smith, those seem like possibilities. I was pulling up relievers in the second half to see a few names that might have the most strikeouts that can help you out, and let's see what we got. Well, Liam Hendricks, he's very good. He's probably not on your waiver wire. Uh, Who else? (laughs) Paul Seawald, it's a possibility. Obviously, he's Uh gotten a ton of strikeouts this season. Uh, who else do we have here? Nick Whitgren has a good amount of strikeouts, but I think the names you mentioned were better. Kendall Graveman, uh, Ryan Tapera has really good ratios this season as well. Anyone else stand out here? Um, Trevor May has strikeouts, but his ERA is over five, so definitely do not add him. Blake Trinan, you mentioned, definitely like that. Uh, David Bednar has a lot of strikeouts, but the Pirates are bad, so... He doesn't really get a lot of opportunities to pitch. I think the names that you brought up make a lot of sense. TJ Antone could be back at the start of next week as well. We do have some Apple Podcast review questions. We do appreciate everyone who drops a five-star rating. If you have a question, you can leave it in the review. This is from Charmore10. 10-team daily lineup, 7x7 categories league, where we added total bases and offensive strikeouts. And for pitching, we added losses and K per nine. We can keep up to eight players for our first eight picks the next year. I have one spot left trying to decide between Randy Rosarena and Wander Franco. Thoughts? It's funny because this person actually emailed in, I believe on Thursday. I think it's the same person because it was a very similar question. I have my answer, Scott, but I'm interested to hear yours. For This is just purely a keeper question? Keepers for next year, it's 7x7 seven seven with offensive strikeouts and total bases as added yeah. categories. I mean, I would keep Franco. Yeah, that's what I said yeah. too. So, yeah, lockstep. This next one's from 
Amy Moke, 92, 12-team head-to-head points. If you have nothing but low-level, not exciting options for closers and saves, again, in a points league, would you recommend abandoning the positions overall and stocking up on starting pitchers? I mean, most head-to-head points leagues don't let you do that, but if, if it does, sure. Yeah. So I guess this would just be it's only pitcher spots, and there's no... I guess so. Actually, yeah. I mean... Starting pitchers give you more volume. If, if that's the case, then yeah, go for it. Fantasy Justice, let's wrap up the week like we always do here on a Friday. Yeah, yeah. This one's from Nick in Cleveland. There are only four real contenders left for the championship in our Dynasty League, but a number of the bottom feeder managers either do not want to trade or have unreasonable valuations of their team's batters before our deadline. In any other league, Jacob deGrom, Aaron Nola, and Corbin Burns would be easy to deal, but I have to convince them that starting pitching is harder to come by. It is forcing me to either lose this year's championship with phenomenal pitching and garbage hitting, or get fleeced by people while trying to upgrade my bats. Please express disapproval <laughs> at these ignorant fools and let them know the true worth of starting pitching. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I, you've come to the right place because Scott loves him some pitching. I mean, all three, the DeGrom, Nola, Burns, they're all going to go in the first four rounds next year. I'm sure Nola is obviously the one I'm, I'm less confident will go that high. And pulls it down to round four, my expectations. But, uh, yeah, that's frustrating because uh, I would certainly want to grab one of those ace pitchers if I'm if I'm planning for next year and would give up. I, I don't know what bats you're aiming for. Maybe you're shooting for Trey Turner or something, in which case it's going to be hard to pull off that deal. But if you're going for like a Jose Abreu or a Pete Alonso or more of a second-tier hitter like that, you should be able to get at least a couple of those guys for one of those pitchers. Yeah, I mean, I I guess if you're trying to win this season, try and trade Jacob deGrom. I mean, we just keep hearing reports. I believe there was another one on Thursday that it's 99% chance that Jacob deGrom does not pitch again this season. So uh-huh. I know Nola hasn't been good, but at least he'll give you something. So And DeGrom, for a team that's out of it, deGrom should fetch the best return of the three. It should be... Should be a significant package for you. This next one's from Kevin. I'm in a 14-team head-to-head categories league with no IL spots. Right before the deadline, I traded Clayton Kershaw for Robbie Ray. We are only allowed seven starting pitchers. The manager said that he would keep Kershaw for next year. We keep two players each season. This trade received six vetoes within 20 minutes and was vetoed by the league. I'm in first place by a wide margin. People said I shouldn't be able to make trades before the deadline because my team is so good. Another guy said, I always make shady deals. Another guy said, teams out of the playoffs should not be allowed to trade with the first place team. I think that's wrong. Do I deserve justice? Yes. Yes, you do. Sounds like a bunch of people have their own standards for... for, this This is why, like, voting... To, for trades just doesn't make sense because people just have knee-jerk reactions based on their f- gut feeling in the moment and how it impacts their own team. And like, yeah, the, the te- any team ahead of them in the standings, there's just going to be a knee-jerk reaction to vote a trade they made. Now, like I can understand how they're upset that you're giving up Kershaw who's not probably not going to help you anymore this year for Robbie Ray, who could help you a lot. But when you have a keeper scenario set up like you do, like you have to expect trades like that are going to happen. Teams that are out of it for this year are going to make trades for players that help them a lot more next year than they do this year. Stop being selfish. Think about the other team too. What if that other team manager really wanted to keep Clayton Kershaw for next year? If you're in uh-huh. last place... That's what you should try to do. You should try and find that, a player right. that you want to keep right. for next season and, and try and acquire that player. So I think from a keeper league perspective, this trade makes a ton of sense. Clayton Kershaw for Robbie Ray. So come on, man. Get with the times. Look, Vito's got to go. I mean, this has been years coming now, and we've talked about it a lot, but Vito's, man, they've, they've got to go. You have been served. Whoever's playing in Kevin's league, get it together. 
day, yeah. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.